0: Welcome to the Portland Christian Center podcast. This week, we're here from Pastor Joy Wilson on what does a godly marriage look like? Now here is Pastor Joy.
1: There you go. (laughs) Well, surprise, surprise. If it wasn't a surprise to you, it was a surprise to me that I'm up here today. And um, this morning, Bill woke up and he was a little croaky. And didn't feel 100%. And about 6.30, he rolled over and he said, it's you today. You're on today. And I said, who else can you call? <laughs> he said, at this time, no one. <laughs> so here I am. And, um, you know, there are no mistakes, <laughs> right? I was with a group of uh, women in ministry this weekend. They're my team that work with me. And we had such an incredible time. And I came home so excited because what I was seeing God do in their lives and how he was forming them and he's shaping them for leadership and the things I said to them. And it was like, eat your words. You're going to have to do what you told them to do today. (laughs) And that is to step out. When God asked you to do something, you might not be prepared but if the Bible is true, it says he will equip and enable you if you are willing to be his servant to be used. And today, I'm submitting to the Lord and said, I'm willing for you to use me and don't refuse me. And surely there's a work that he can do in and through me this morning. So to morning, I'm talking about what does a godly marriage look like? Now, singles, do not tune me out. Because whatever I am going to say to a married couple also applies to you because you are in relationships, whether it's within a family or just friendships. All of the principles still apply. So I want to set that up front because I just don't want you to check me out because I got something to say for you today. One of the things I want to share is a couple weeks ago, my daughter, who you'll see up here, Christy, got married to. Randy who is an amazing man of God and many of you know that Christy and Randy went through I mean Christy went through a horrible divorce 12 years ago and just like anybody else that goes through something like this she asked the same questions why me why did this have to happen to me I saved myself I thought I was doing all the right things why did this happen to me but we said the wedding that took place two weeks ago was a redemption story. We saw her walk through very difficult times, very difficult times. I still remember when she got off the plane and came home and fell like a baby into the arms of her mother and father. She was broken. So we understand what brokenness is. We understand what divorce does to people. And that's why we're going to talk about how can we strengthen our marriages. What can we do to prevent those things happening in our families and in our lives? For us personally and to help those around us to have some principles that they can put in their lives and apply them to their lives and let's see some healthy marriages because what was happening in Malachi is exactly what we see happening today. You know, I am amazed. The more I read the Bible, I keep thinking, is somebody writing this today? I don't know about you, but I look and I think, that's what's happening today. That's what's happening today. That's what's happening today. And so when we see that it was happening then, and it's happening today, when we have the word of God, we recognize he actually gives us all the answers. He helps us know what we need to do to make a difference. And so that's what I believe God has done for us. So one of the things about marriage, and when you attend a wedding ceremony, I believe anyway, it reminds you of the sacredness of a marriage. It reminds you that When we believe that we are being joined together and that we are serving the Lord, that there will be a perfect future. Not so much. (laughs) Right? Do we have difficulties? Do you get upset with each other? Oh, not you, huh? You perfect people. (laughs) We all go through difficult times. We all have things that go on. But God's plan is that if we join together with him, our lives will at least have him f- to focus on. Let's look what, ha- what was happening in Malachi 2:10 through 16. Because here, the prophet uses strong, sobering, and stinging words regarding marriage. Malachi, the man of God, speaks to the holiness and hopefulness of a God-centered marriage. So let's look at Malachi. If you have your Bibles, turn to them. And if you don't, you can look to the screen. But before I say anything, one of the things I want to encourage you, if you did not bring your Bible, I want you to bring your Bible. And you say, Joy, we bring our electronics now. Well, good, I'm glad you're having electronics. But more recently, I have come to the conclusion that your Bible might not always be on your electronics. Because I've watched all the things that they've been taken off. We censor this, we censor that, we censor this. And a lot of it has to do with what we believe. So there could come a time that you will not have your Bible on your electronics. But do you have a Bible? Do your children have a Bible? Do your grandchildren have a bible? Do they know how to open that bible and read from that bible? And so I want to encourage you is to open the word of god as well as look on your electronics because I believe that god speaks through to you any way he wants to but I always want you to know you have it. And many of us have hundreds of Bibles if we went through our houses and counted them all. But I just know that sometimes in homes and when we talk to kids, they'll say, I don't have a Bible. I don't even know what a Bible is. So I don't want that to be any of our kids to be guilty of not knowing what a Bible is. So let's look at Malachi 2, 10 through 16. Are we not all children of the same Father? Are we not all created by the same God? That's why we betray each other, violating the covenant of our ancestors. Judah has been unfaithful, and a detestable thing has been done in Israel and in Jerusalem. The man of Judah has defiled the Lord's beloved sanctuary by marrying women who worship idols. May the Lord cut off from the nation of Israel every last man who has done this and yet brings an offering to the Lord of heaven's armies. Here is another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offerings and doesn't accept them with pleasure. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young, but you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Lord help us to stay faithful to our vows. And what does he want? godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. Do you notice that in those last couple of verses he repeats something what are the two words three words that he repeats what is it guard your heart heart. remain loyal to the wife of youth so guard your heart do not be unfaithful to your wife what does guard your heart really mean it is asking you to be wise and discerning in the decisions you make when it comes to your marriage. You know there's amazing rewards when we have a godly marriage. When we put him first and we really try to walk in really in union with who he is in our lives. But Malachi here is very serious and he's got serious concerns about their marriages and unfaithfulness. And he's concerned about the moral compass that is taking place in this time. And he's realizing that everything that has been taught has been thrown to the side. And people are doing what they want and not what God's word is saying to them. And we live in a culture like that right now. The culture doesn't see marriage as a holy sacrament sacrament to to keep. Marriage is not something that everybody looks at and says that's what we should do. But that's not what God's word says. And so there are consequences when people don't follow what God is asking us to do. But what are some of the things that pull marriages apart? Unfaithfulness, unsolved conflict, lack of kindness, respect, lack of respect, financial stress. Who's ever had financial stress? Anybody else? Do you see what happens in a household when there's financial stress? I remember we'd been in our marriage for five years and I was doing the books at those times. And I was a stress case. I had to be hard to live with it those days. Because <laughs> I, I would always see the bill, we don't have enough money. We don't have enough money. I don't know how we're going to live, I don't know how we're going to do this. So he said to me, think, give me the books, I'll take them. And he took the books. And you know, it was so funny because at that point, you know, he gave, we did the envelope system, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but we did that from day one of getting married. And I still remember him, he gave me $5 in an envelope, and he had $5 in an envelope. He says, that's just spending money. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> that's a big deal, I could go to McDonald's and get a, get a Coke now. <laughs> <laughs> but I know what I understand when financial stress comes in. If we don't solve it correctly, lack of communication. What could happen in a situation like that? Him taking the books from me. I could say, well, "If you don't think I'm going to nest," blah blah blah. We've all done that, haven't we? Or is that just me? Maybe it's just me. Anyway, there's other things that tear your marriage apart. No spiritual guidelines. Pornography. Lack of attention. Preoccupation with other things. Failure to spend quality time together not praying together, lack of intimacy. So many things that we could say that pulls marriages apart. And it really is something that brings sadness, pain, anger, and it disrupts the joy and peace that the Lord really wants in our relationships. So when we don't guard our hearts, which is the wellspring of life, we move from having a blessed life to a messed up life and we want to try and do everything we can to avoid having a messed up life you ask is divorce permitted in scripture and it is in, for adultery in Matthew 19:9 9, abandonment in 1 Corinthians 7:15 and f- with abuse now Those are things we definitely don't want to encourage you to feel that you have to stay in a marriage for, but we do want you to know that we would definitely want you to do counselling and try to reconcile marriages. But, you know, in England, uh, you know, America has tow trucks, we have tow trucks. So, the ones in America you call wreckers. The ones, our tow trucks in England, we called recovery trucks. So, it's according to the perspective, isn't it? So we could be wreckers in marriage, or we can use recovery in marriage, because it's still getting rid of garbage one way or the other. But we don't want wrecked marriages, we want marriages that can be brought back together. So what are the causes of broken relationships. Number one, selfishness. James 4, 1 and 2 says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something but don't get it? Everything starts because of self-centeredness. Now, it is easy for selfishness to creep into your relationship. When we first get married, it's so, oh, here, you go first. But over time, we don't hear that anymore. And we live in a time when it's a lot about I or me. It's all about what do I want, what will make me happy, instead of what do we want and what will make us happy. And so when we're doing things and we're in our homes and we're um, thinking things through even for the week or the month or stuff and you're trying to plan, instead of saying, I want to do this, this and this and this, what do you think? Instead of the I, I, I want this, I want that, I want this, what about if we turn that into a question what do you think we could do together? How would you see this month going? So that you're given an opportunity for input on both parts so you don't become selfish, and it's not all about what you want. And sometimes in marriage, it's not a, th- it's not a selfishness, and it, but it's a thing where some, one of the, I'll take me for example. Bill loves cars. He loves to go to car shows. Joy does not love cars. Joy does not love to go to car shows. But once in a while, he'll say, would you go with me tomorrow to the car show? And honestly, everything within me wants to say no. No, I do not want to go and see the stupid car show. (laughs) It has four wheels. You open the front, you open the back, you get in and you drive it. That's all I care about. (laughs) But I know that's an important thing for him. So what did I do this week? I bought him tickets for his birthday last year and said, you go to the show and I'll find somebody to go with you. Now, I wasn't being selfish. I got him a pal to go with. So so he could go enjoy himself. But sometimes, you know, I I do have to sacrifice and say, "Okay, okay, I will. But what do I like to do that you want to? I like to go to the beach. So, if we go to a car show, not we go to the car show on the way to the beach? Then we'll accomplish two things, you and me. And we will do much better. <laughs> so there's ways to do these things, and we have a lot of fun with this, as you can tell. Um, for me, I, I love being married. I love my relationship with my husband. I love the way we do life together. And because I love my relationship with my husband, and when I see broken marriages, it breaks my heart. Because I know there's a way to have a healthy, wonderful marriage. And when I'm with couples that are going through difficult times, I want to be there to help them. I want to make sure that I'm given the input that needs to go into the marriages that are going through difficult times that I can say, you can do this. You can change the I to we, and it makes the biggest difference because that selfishness that always wants to be in control, always wants to do it their way, you can't do that in marriage. It's we. You gave up the I when you walked down the aisle. The I left, and it became we. So when you're making decisions, remember, it's not about you, it's about we. So selfishness is something that really does break relationships. Another one is pride. Pride destroys the relationship. Pride breeds quarrels. Pride leads to arguments. A critical spirit. I'm not apologizing. Anybody else ever been that way? How many people say I was wrong? I am sorry. Please forgive me. Those are hard words to say sometimes, especially when you think, you're right. Ever thought you were right only to find out you were wrong? You guys are really quiet. (laughs) I must be the only person who ever goes through these things. This is my life. (laughs) Honestly, to say I'm sorry was so hard for me when I got married. I didn't want to say I was sorry. I didn't want to say I was wrong. I wanted to be right. I had to learn to say those words. It didn't come naturally. Because I had been in college, and I had traveled, I didn't have to answer to anybody. I was right, I was doing my own thing. It was all about me. But I gave up the me for we, and I forgot. (laughs) But now, I had to say I'm sorry. I have to say, will you forgive me? But what I realized is I had to do what I expected my children to do. I expected my children to say, I am sorry. I expected my children to say, I am wrong. I expected my children to say, please forgive me. If they don't see it modeled, they will not do it. So we have to model for our children what needs to go in a relationship. And I think that's one of the greatest things that we can give our children, is to model in our marriages that we're not perfect. And we can say, I'm sorry, and I was wrong, and please forgive me. See, 1 Peter 3.8 says, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble humble yourself and say the things that you need to say to have a good relationship i don't have a book on how to become humble on an easy way it's something you practice humility is practiced it doesn't automatically happen so Just know we need to do that. Philippians 2, 3 through 7 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Your attitude should be the same as as that of Christ Jesus. So building healthy relationships, think about those words. You should have the attitude the same as Christ Jesus, and remember, he gave himself for you. And many times we have to give ourselves for our spouses. And sometimes in relationships or friendships is there are things that you have to just say, it's done, it's over. Or to say, let's work through this. But you have, there's, there has to be a way of doing it so that it brings out the best in each other, not the worst in each other. You build, you build healthy relationships with love. 1 John 4 18 said, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. How does this work? It takes the focus of you and puts the focus on them. Do you ever get nervous when you're around a lot of people at PCC? The answer, I'm sure, is yes. But you know the difference is if you take your focus off you and you start speaking to somebody else it changes because really a long time ago this church was known and it still is but that's not the phrase anymore the church where love is I love that phrase because I wanted people to come in and out of this church knowing they could come and they could be secure they would be loved We would be a people that were selfless and not selfish. We would welcome them into the fold, as we would say, so that they would experience love. They didn't need to feel insecure around us. I've had people say to me, I I, I feel insecure when I'm around you. Me? You're insecure when you're around me? How could you be insecure when you're around me? I put my pants on just like you put your pants on. I'm just a human being just like you're a human being. You don't need to be insecure when you're around me. I'm just a normal person. You're a normal person, I'm a normal person. I love you. I love who you are. I see things in you that you may not see in yourself. I want you to be loved. I want you to be received. I want you to be fulfilled. And, you know, those are all things that we say to each other. And those are the same things that we need to say in our marriages. I want you to be successful. I want to support you. I want to love you. I want to be where you want to be. I want to take care of you. I want to supply your needs. I want you to succeed. I want to help you get there. And Bill and I have been each other's cheerleaders all our marriage. Now, I know it's hard for some of you to know, know, think this, but when I met Bill, he was not a conversationalist. And on one of our dates, I said to him, do you not know how to have conversations? (laughs) And he said, what do you mean I don't know how to have a conversation? I said, well, you don't talk about very much. So, I got the newspaper, that's what we did in those days, and I learned all about basketball. I read the basketball page every day, and every time I would be with him, I was knowledgeable about basketball. He loved basketball, I could talk about basketball. And that's how we began to converse. Now, see, you don't know that beside of Bill Wilson, but I do. <laughs> but what happened from those things? I encouraged him. But he's encouraged me, because I would not be doing what I'm doing standing here if it had not been for Bill Wilson. I love to worship, I love to lead worship, I loved all those things, I love doing things with women. But he would say, but Joy, I want you to preach. And I would say, no, I'm not going to preach. And he'd say, but sometimes I need you to. No, I'm not going to do that. That's your job, that's not my job. And he said, But you have something to give. No, I don't. You do. You know, we go back and forth in that. But what he was trying to say to me, I see something in you that you don't see in yourself. And I have done that with him. Seen, I've seen things in him that he didn't see in himself. And I say, You can do this, Bill. You can do this. And we're each other's cheerleaders. And I would say to you, Be each other's cheerleaders. I don't care how long you've been married. We've been married almost 50 years, and we're still cheering each other on. When I got through with this first service, I see another thing from him, and it says, you did a great job, go for it for the second service. You know, so he's cheering me on, he's still cheering me on. And I still cheer him on. And in marriage, don't let that go from your, your lives together. Always be each other's cheerleaders. Always seek the good of one another. And, you know, there's so many things that we can do to destroy marriages or destroy relationships as a whole. But if everybody would see the good in each other instead of criticizing all the things they see wrong. You know, Bill teases about the fact that he always waits to see what I say about the sermon. He can hear all the things that he is in here, but when we get in the car, well, well, what? <laughs> it, what it is is he wants that affirmation from me, the same as you want affirmation from each other. And don't be afraid to tell your spouses that they did something good or that they helped you. I love to come home and have my house all clean when I got home. Get home. And many times, that's what happens. I'm gone, and I come home to a, a, the cleanest house, and I think, man, he did the floors. He, let me see, what else did he get done today? I mean, everything's done. I mean, that's an act of service, isn't it? And sometimes wives need acts of service And sometimes husbands say, I don't do that. That's the wife's thing to do. I don't see that in the Bible where that's biblical, that only the women can clean. I think men and women should clean. All the women said, There you go. I said, I knew you had a voice. (laughs) So, what are four things to have a good marriage? And I'm going to be done. Strong commitment, have a strong commitment. You say, has Joy and Bill ever talked about divorce? Never. Murder, yes. No. (laughs) We determined that when we got married, we would never use, we called it the D word. And that has never been a word that we have used. Because what we decided that when we got married, it was Bill, Joy, and the Lord. And it was the cord of three that are tightly woven together. Now, one can pull this way and one can pull this way, but really we're going to come together and have the Lord in the middle of our marriage. And we've done that because we have committed to praying together. We are, we are committed to reading the word of God together. Now, do I have my own devotional time? Yes. I don't like having devotions with Bill. I'll read the Bible with him and I'll pray with him. But I like my own devotional time. I want to be able to journal what God's saying to me and I, I don't necessarily need to know what God's saying to, to Bill. He can do his, I'll do mine. That doesn't happen in every family but I'm just telling you that's what goes on in our family but we'll talk about what's God saying to you? What's God saying to you? But strong, a strong commitment to keep Christ the center of your relationship is so important. Then A spiritual cleansing, you say, what do you mean by that? Well, what I I mean by that is sometimes there are things that go on in our relationship where we have hurt each other, where we have said words that we wish we hadn't said. And even though we say we're sorry, I think we need to repent of those things too and also say we're sorry to the Lord. Lord, help me in my marriage. Help me not to be this way. Help me not to be a reactionary. Let me be responsive, but not reactionary. Help me to form words that are kind, that bring peace, that bring love, that bring kindness, rather than anger and destruction and tearing down and those things. So let that be something that you do is to come Psalms 32, 5 says that I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Because sometimes when we do things that are uncomfortable or wrong, we do feel guilty. And that's where we bring that to the Lord. Number three, have supportive communication. We've talked a little bit about that, is to make sure that we are supportive one one with another. And number four, show consideration. Billy Billy Graham's wife once said, it's a wife's job to love a husband. It is God's job to make him good. Let me say that again. It's a wife's job to love a husband. It is God's job to make him good. I love that saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's say that together. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Again. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the thing that I want you to practice saying daily. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Not we might, we will. Make it a declaration over your family. You know, I know that in this service this morning that there, there are people that have been hurt by each other. You might have come from abusive situations. You might have been abandoned by somebody. You might have had to have gone through a horrible divorce like my daughter did. And you're, you are hurting. And you say, Joy, these words came a little too late. And I'm saying, no, they didn't. There was a redemption story up there earlier. God might have a redemption story for you. There are people in here that has redemption stories. Where God has taken something that was so horrible, brought somebody different into their lives and now they have this beautiful life together serving Jesus. But I am aware that this loneliness sets in to those who had spouses and now they don't have spouses. But God still cares. God still loves you. So even though some of these things have been about marriage this morning, I want you to know that God loves you. He cares about you. He wants what's best for you. And when he wants God's best for you, don't be in a hurry, wait on God. Christy waited 12 years. It doesn't always happen a year later or two years later. Be patient, allow God to bring the right people into your lives. Some of you have family members that are Their marriages are not good. And you're praying for their marriages. But whatever the need is this morning, whether you're dating, you're single, but you really know that you need a touch from the Lord and you just say, Lord, I want what you want for my life. I want to walk the pathway that you've got for me, whether it's single, married, whatever it is. But I'm struggling. I'm struggling, Lord. I want something more. And I don't feel like you're listening to me. I don't... What in the things of Malachi do you need to ask for forgiveness from if you read that entire thing? Don't cover up things to the Lord. He already knows them. But what I'm going to ask you to do is to stand this at the end ahead and stand and if there's things that you need to surrender to the Lord this morning if if you need somebody to pray with you this morning because you have family members going through a difficult time and you want prayer for marriages whatever the situation is and you want somebody to pray with you this morning I believe that I want to open these altars this morning because I believe God wants to do things in our lives today. I believe God wants to overwhelm you with his love. We we sang earlier, I need you, oh, I need you. We all need Jesus, we all need more of Jesus. We all need more of his love in our lives. We all need to ask for forgiveness for being unkind when we should have been kind. But if there's something that you need to surrender to the Lord this morning, as the, key, the pianist is playing this morning, I want you to come forward. And I, it's not a, a show. This is a surrender to the Lord. You don't need to be insecure. You have, don't have to be scared to come and meet Jesus at the altar. We used to do it every Sunday night. I think I got saved every Sunday night for a long time. <laughs> but I came because did I need to be saved? No, but I needed to surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, I need more of you. I need more of you to live the life I need to live. I need to, be a more godly. I need to be a more godly wife. I need to be a more godly mother. Help me, Lord. I'm not perfect. I need your help. I can't do this without your help. I'm single. I'm tempted. Lord, I can't do this without your help. I need you to guide me. I need you to direct me. Lord, I'm lonely. I want you to bring someone into my life. Lord, I give you myself. You know where that person is. Help me know how to beat them. Whatever it is that you need from the Lord today, we're gonna have the piano play and I'm just gonna wait for a few seconds. And um, Sherry and Rick, if you'll come up, I'm not sure who else is, any of our um, board members that would love to pray with people, come on down and, we're gonna just pray for anybody who needs assistance or help from the Lord today, okay? Go ahead.
0: I need you, oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. My one defense, my right Righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Oh, I need you, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense. My righteousness, oh God, how I am.
1: I want you to take your hands this morning and I want you to point them to these people down at the front. This isn't a show, this is a worship time where we are going to pray for these people that are at the altar. And there's people in these seats that probably still need to come down But if you're not, don't come down. If there's somebody around you and you just say, would you pray with us? Do that as well, that's fine. But let's believe that the Lord is gonna meet the needs of those that have come down this morning. Heavenly Father, this is the place where we have come to your altar and we're laying everything at the altar this morning, Lord Jesus. We're asking you, Lord, to restore relationships. We're asking you to, Lord, as people are calling out and saying, Lord, bring somebody into my life because they're lonely. I ask you, Lord, that you will take that loneliness and help them, Lord Jesus. Bring somebody into their lives that can come alongside. Lord, for moms and dads that are watching their children go through difficult times right now, help them know how to be encouragers, help them know how to be restorers, help them know how to bridge them to you. Oh God, we need you, oh we need you to help us to know how to take those steps. Lord, Jesus, Lord, Jesus, do a work, we pray. Do a work we pray, Lord, Jesus. Do a work we pray. Do a work we pray. We praise your name, Jesus. We praise your name, Jesus. We praise your name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's all sing that one more time together. Pastor Chip.
0: I need you, oh, I need you. If you like
1: me, you need to raise your hand and say, Every oh, Lord. Hour Every hour I need
0: you. I need Every hour you. I need you. My, My one defense. defense. My righteousness, oh God, how I need Oh, Lord, we need you. Every
1: hour, we need you. As we leave the sanctuary this morning, God, go with us. Help us. Guide us. Direct us. Help us in our commitment to each other. And let our marriages flourish more than we ever could dream or imagine. And let us be a light in a darkened world throughout this week. In thy name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.
0: Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com. Or join us for our live streams at the 9 or 11 a.m. at live.pcctoday.com.